We're still in our uh, theme of spiritual growth. That's what this whole, uh, and I know people have said before, shouldn't church always have that theme? Uh, yes, it should. But, uh, you know, sometimes you have to be intentional um, about growing and make sure that, that you're growing. And, and so as we are going through this thing, there's been a lot of things that we've talked about. Um, I feel like I've missed, I have not been up here in the last few weeks because uh, Stephen, uh, our missionary from Thailand, spoke. And then the next week, uh, Chris spoke, did a great job. And then how many were here last week for uh, Pastor Curtis? He did a good job, didn't he? Did a great job. Did a great job. Is he in here? Where is he? There he is. He's back there. Yeah, he's nervous again. Hey, don't, don't run because I'll have you up here again next week. I'm just kidding. Um, but anyway, he did a great job. I listened to it this past week and uh, just did a, a great job. So thank you, uh, Pastor Curtis, for, for doing that. But we've talked about a lot of different things. And I was reading this weekend, and something really just kind of jumped out to me. And uh, I want to talk about it today. If you go in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 2, I'm going to read uh, 1 through 10. And we're going to focus really on 6 and 7, but I want to highlight a couple things as we do that. Here's what it says. Paul's writing this letter to the, to the church, and he says, I want you to know how much I've agonized for you and for the church at Laodicea and for many other believers who have never met me personally. I want them to be encouraged. So this is Paul's heart for the church. I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan. And then he says what that is, which is Christ himself. This is the mysterious plan. It's Christ. It's to know him and to be, uni to be unified with him and to know that that Christ is the anointed one. That's, that's, that's who he is. And, um, so it says, in him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So before, Paul's talking because you're going to see in this church at the time, there's, there's a lot of these clever things that people are coming up with, a lot of different teachings that they're saying about the importance of just, if you knew this and if you knew this, and it gets into a lot of different things. And Paul talks about later in verse 11, uh, I'm sorry, in verse 8, he says, Don't let anyone encapture you by empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense from human thinking. So he's, what he's saying here is, look, this is where really all the treasure comes. All of the wisdom comes from, from Christ. It comes from this, this, this mystery, this mysterious plan, which is Christ. And that's where all this in him is wisdom and knowledge, the kind that you need to live your life. It comes from in him. So then he says this, he says, I'm telling you this so that no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments. Because if people, and this is what we have to be careful of as believers, is that we have to be careful that when we're encouraging someone and we're talking to someone, listen, people don't need another three-point philosophy of whatever. People need Jesus. They don't need just knowledge. They need Jesus. And not just to know about Jesus, but to know Jesus. There's a difference. There's a difference in knowing about something and truly knowing something. So he's saying, listen, I'm telling you this so you don't get deceived with this well-crafted argument. For though I'm far away from you, my heart is with you, and I rejoice that you are living as you should and that your faith in Christ is strong. 
So again, we're talking about our faith and what makes our faith strong. It's in Christ. So your faith is only as strong, as healthy as what it's in. Listen, if you have faith, and I'm saying this, um, so, and you know that if you've been part of Thrive, you know this. I strive to please the Lord in everything I do. But I am human. And if your faith is in me, it's, you're, you're in trouble. I'm just telling you, you're in trouble. If your faith is in a person, you're in trouble. Your faith needs to be in God. And God can use people. But people are human and none of us, none of us have what it takes to never fail. None of us have what it takes to, to be perfect and to know everything. Now we have access to the one who's perfect. We have access. But you can't put your hope and trust in me or in Christ or in Curtis. You know, I was talking with someone earlier and there's times where I think if, you know, sometimes you may have grown up in a church and I, I've grown up in churches like this or been a part of churches this way where it's like, if something happens, I, I, I just gotta, have, I just gotta talk to the pastor. And as much as I I strive to make sure in hospital visits stuff like that 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 we get out there and visit and pray with you, but can I just tell you if there's ever a time that we're not available, can I just tell you God is always available. You always have God. You always have the Spirit of God with you. And if I come to the hospital, if Chris comes to the hospital, if Curtis goes to the hospital, guess who we're bringing? Jesus. But you already have him. So basically what we do is we come alongside of you and say, hey, I, I'm, man, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Encouraging you, reminding you that God is with you and that he will take care of you. So I'm not saying that there's not an there's not importance of being there for people. What I am saying, though, is your hope is not in the person. Your hope is in Jesus. And that's what Paul's saying, that, 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 he, that their faith, he said, listen, I'm rejoicing that your faith is in Christ and that it's strong. And then he goes on to say this in verse 6. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, now here's what he says, you must continue to follow him. So you know what that says to me? It's not just about a one-time decision. To give your life to Jesus and you're done. Are you saved? Yes. When you give your life to Jesus, you're saved. But there is a journey that happens after that. That's not a journey that you have to know on your own. It's a journey that all you have to do now is follow. Follow. That's it. Follow. So... Let's just say, Chris, let me borrow you for a minute, all right? Let's say that Chris had no idea where I live. Now, he knows because, because I call him, hey, man, can you come by and help me fix this? Because I'm not a real handyman. Um, this guy is. So what I do is I just trust God that God uses people to be a blessing. No, I'm just kidding. But he knows where I live. He comes by the house. You know, I mean, we, we're friends. So, but if he didn't know where I lived, and I said, hey, um, come to my house. You know, the best way for him to come to my house is if we're leaving from here, is for him to follow me. If he's following me, guess what? He doesn't have to know what, what road I live on. He doesn't have to know which house is mine. 
He doesn't have to know whether we, what, you know, what road we turn off of pit school and, and how we get back through the back roads to get to my house. He, he doesn't have to know any of that. All he has to know is if I follow him, I'll get to his house. Right? That's it. That's all you have to do. That's the, that's the part about following is somehow if, if, if we're following. Now, here's the thing. My driving skills are much better than they used to be. Um, easy. Um, but if I, if I just take off and leave him, you know, then he would need to, he'd be in trouble. But as long as I say, look, follow me and you'll get there, then it takes the pressure off. Have you ever, you, thank you, have you ever gone somewhere and, well, let me just say if you're, uh, if you've been driving for the last five years, this doesn't apply to you or last eight years, however long we've had the GPS stuff going. But for those who've been driving longer, for those my age, 28 and around there, uh, for those my age, do you remember when you didn't have a GPS and you either had a, a map like a big map you had to pull over and unfold 65 times to even find it. Or you had to write directions down or you just had to remember them. Do you remember getting in the car at those times thinking, okay, especially if it's a longer trip. You're like, man, I hope I got these directions right. And the anxiety that you feel driving to a place where you don't know where you're going. And you're just hoping that you're doing this right. And if you make a wrong turn, you don't have that voice that says, recalculating and taking you somewhere else. You're just on your own. See, you don't have, you don't have to have that as a believer. Because if you follow him, and the Spirit of God is with you, if you follow him, he knows how to get you where he wants you. He knows how to take you to those places that he has for you. It just has to it comes down to you being willing to say, I don't have to know how to get there. I just have to follow the one who knows how to get me there. And that's, that's really as simple as it is. And here's some scriptures about following Jesus. Look at 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1. In the New Living, it says it this way. It says, you should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. And one translation says it this way. Follow me as I follow Christ. What Paul is saying, look, follow me as I follow Christ. What he's really saying is, make sure you follow Christ if I'm not following Christ, don't follow me. But follow me as I follow Christ. Because in that same analogy, let me use you again, Chris. Okay? Chris is following me to my house. Well, what if James is coming to my house? Right? Come on up here, James. Okay, Chris has a truck. James got a sweet Jeep truck. And, um, but let's say, <clears throat> let's say that James can't see my vehicle. Can he still get to my house? Yes. How? Follow Chris because Chris is following me. So by James following Chris, who's he really following? Me. So it's the same way, even as a, even as a church. Thanks. Even as a church, here's what it means. If as your pastor, let me just tell you this up front. As your pastor, if I ever go psycho and lose my way, leave. If you ever hear me talking that Jesus is not the way anymore, leave. If you ever see me get caught up in stuff that's not scriptural, scriptural, leave. Because the only reason you should follow me is because I'm following Christ. Because you're supposed to follow Christ. 
That's why we have to get so focused a little bit more. And it goes against what we learn in the practical sense, especially as business people and as people in the secular world. Because we learn so much about leadership, which is good. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying anything bad. I've been to leadership conferences. But we need fellowship conferences. We need conferences to talk about how do you follow someone? How do you follow God? Because we have a tendency to lead our life and to lead everything and to want to, like I said earlier, we all know the way. We got to know how to do this. We want to know this. We want to know this. We already have the one who knows. You want to know how to bring peace in this situation? Follow the Prince of Peace. You want to know how to get provision for that need that you have? Follow Jehovah Jireh, your provider. It's all in in learning to follow. And it's difficult because following means you don't have all the information and you're not in control. Two things that we want. Control and we want to know it. We want to know. I don't want to walk by faith. I want to know. But it's going to take faith. And we have to follow him. So part of our journey in spiritual growth is deciding that we can't lead. We can't lead our lives. We have to be willing to follow Christ. And that can happen. Like I said, we can follow people who are following Christ. And realize that, listen, it's not about the person. And we can't get caught up in, in our idea of what people we should and shouldn't follow. If people are following Jesus, we can follow them. If they're not exactly like you or in your circle or whatever, it's okay. If they're following Jesus and they're heading to Jesus, it's okay that we learn and listen from them too. We follow people as they follow Christ. That's how we follow Christ. And then there are certain times we just follow the leading of the Holy Spirit within our life. The Bible says if we're children of God, we're led by the Spirit of God. So so the Spirit of God himself will lead us. He'll lead us. The word of God is a lamp to our feet and a light into our path. I know God will lead us because the Bible says the steps of a righteous man are ordered by who? The Lord. So he, he guides our steps. He shows us. So that's part of how we, how we follow him. Look at the next scripture, Matthew 16, 24. This is what Jesus says when he's calling his disciples. Or I'm sorry, that's later. He says, listen, if you want to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross, and do what? Follow me. He doesn't say turn from that stuff and then, all right, give me some information. How much do you know about me? How much do you know about my father? Let me hear the, you know, the Romans road. Do you know, you know the books of the Bible? Do you know, which wasn't there then, but do you know all this information? No, he's like, look, if you want to be a follower, then follow me. Lay aside that stuff. Take up your cross and just go with me. Just follow me. Look at this next scripture. John 10, 27. My sheep, this is Jesus referring, Jesus is the chief shepherd. And he says this, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they what? They follow me. That's what, the, that's what we do as sheep. We follow the great shepherd. We follow him because he knows us. Matthew 4, 19. Jesus called out to them, come follow me and I'll show you how to fish for people. This is when he's calling his disciples. And he says, listen, come follow me 
And instead of being the fisherman that you are, I'm going to show you how to fish for people. But he didn't say, learn how to fish for people so you can make a difference for me. He said, no, I'll show you. All you have to do is follow me. Follow me, and I'll show you how to do it. I'm, I'm your example. I'm the one that can help you. I know how to do it. Follow me. I'll show you how to be fishers of men, how to make a difference in, in people if you follow me. So, see, this is the part of that it's God who works in us and through us. God wants to use us. And sometimes we try to qualify ourselves first before we think God could use us. And I'm just telling you, the, the way for you to be used by God is to follow him. And he'll show you. And he'll give you opportunities. And he'll teach you. And he'll help you. So we have to, we have to follow him. Look at the next verse in verse 7 of uh, Colossians 2. We go back to the main text there. Verse 7 says this, let your roots grow down into him. Okay, so first he says, listen, he says, oh, I, want, I want you to, he talks about, how I know your faith is good, and here's what I want to happen. And he talks about this beginning in verse 6, we just talked about it. He says, as you accepted Christ, follow him. And then he says this, let your roots grow down into him. So let your roots get established in him. Now, we've talked about this, I think, some before. This flower bed right out front, right out, if you bust this wall out, there's that big flower bed. You'll see it when you drive, drive out. And <clears throat> there's these uh, rain gutter things that come down into it. And then we also have irrigation in it. And when we get a lot of rain, uh, that stays kind of wet. And sometimes the roots... From some of these trees have gone a little more out and not as much down. And there's, if you look, there's several trees in this flower bed that are tied to stakes because they keep falling over because the roots have never really gotten down deep. So if a big storm comes through, but you know, the next the next week we're in here putting stakes in and tying them down because they don't have this deep root system now. You look at some of these trees that we have on this property up by the house, this real big tree, if you look between here and the house, that tree, those, there's roots deep, and they're big, and the roots are big. And that tree has been through storm after storm after storm after storm after storm, and it ain't moved. It didn't end up over here because of big wind. It's rooted and grounded, and it's not going anywhere. Because it's rooted and grounded in him. So for us, for us to, to see the things of, in, of God in our life, it's going to come out of what we're rooted in. So if, if the root system gets its um, nourishment from the soil that it's in. Now, when I was, uh, was going to bring a plant in, and I didn't. So for the sake of illustration, I'm still going to use this one, but... Don't get too caught up in the fact that this is a fake plant, okay? But let's just say this plant is real, okay? So go ahead and say that. This plant is real. Perfect. Now you're going along. You're already feeling it, aren't you? All right. So this, the soil is in here, and these are planted in there. So when the water and stuff is in the soil, that's what this plant is grabbing. That plant is absorbing the nutrients, and the water of everything that's in here. So it's rooted in this. 
Now, let's say that... Let's say that that same soil is in there, but this is here. All right, look, these are two. So see, that one still lives. What happens to this one? Yeah, it dies. Why? Because it's, it's not gonna, it has no roots. It's not going to establish any roots. And it's not going to be able to absorb any kind of substance or life, nourishment, because it's not rooted in. You can be all around the soil. And then not do anything. You got to be rooted in, in the soil. That's why I say you could talk about God. You can have a lot of things in your head. But if you don't get rooted and established in Christ, then you miss it. You miss it. Our, our root system and our source of nourishment and our source of everything we need has to come from Christ. It has to come from him. And that's why we have to dig, our, dig down deep into the word and dig down deep into the things of God and realize that's where our nourishment has to come. We have to soak that up. We have to allow God's word to be so part of our life that it's just, it just gets, it's what, we, it's what we gain. It's what we, the kind of nourishment that we get. Let's look at a few scriptures. Look at Jeremiah 17, 7 and 8. Blessed are those whose trust is in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They're like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. And because the roots go deep, it says this, such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. The root system is deep, deep into the water. And that's what it says you'll be like if, you, if, 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 if you're trusting in God and, and God's your first and he's your priority and you're really pursuing life with him, then, then your roots will go so deep that you'll produce. Even in difficult times, even in difficult times, you're going to find that you're still able to produce hope in a difficult situation because we'll go through difficult situations. But even in that, there's still something in you that can have hope in difficulty because your, your root system is established. John 15, verse 1 through 5. I am the true, true vine, and my father is the gardener. This is Jesus talking. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. He prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Then he says this, remain in me, not around me. Remain in me, and I remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So the source, when you're connected to the vine, the source of you having fruit in your life and being effective in the things that God has called you to do has to do with you remaining in him. Because it's in him that that comes. So the source of everything, again, I've talked about this before, but if you're the branch connected to the vine, where does all the, the, the source of nourishment and strength, everything come from? It comes from the source, from the vine. Because if the branch is cut off, the branch can't produce that stuff. If it was in the branch, then if the branch was cut off, the branch would still be fine because it has all that in it. It can produce that. But the branch doesn't produce it. 
The vine produces it. In this case, it's Jesus. He produces it. If we're connected to him, then all the source of life comes from him. Where does the fruit come? On the branch. So all of the fruit comes on the branch that has no source of life in it. The source of life comes from here, and it goes into this, and all the fruit comes here. Even though it's all from here, the fruit is seen and displayed here. So as you connected to the vine, you connected to Jesus, guess what? The fruit, the things of God, should be manifest and seen in your life because you're connected to him. You are rooted in him. You remain in him. And in him, the Bible says it's in him that we live, in him that we move, in him we have our being. It's all in him. And if you remain in him, you'll produce fruit, much fruit, and fruit that will last if you just remain in him. Look at uh, <clears throat> the next scripture there, Ephesians 3, 16 through 19. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with his inner strength through his spirit. Then it says this, Christ will make his home in your hearts and you will trust in him. Your roots will grow down deep into what? God's love and they'll keep you strong. The roots that you have will go deep into God's love. And God's love is what's necessary. It's the, it's the number one thing to change your life. If you recognize the love of God. Because you recognize the love of God, you're going to realize a lot of things about, about you and about God. That you, one, that you're not a mistake. That God has plans for you because he loves you and he cares for you. And those plans are good because he loves you. That God will protect you and help you because he loves you. The perfect love of God expels fear. So, so the spirit of fear that could so grip you when you're rooted into God's love, that spirit that just, you know, we all have those moments of, what was that, you know, where the, where a, a, a concern or something rise up. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a spirit of fear that grips you. That kind of fear, it's expelled with the love of God because, you know, he's got me. He's going to take care of me. He's going to help me. So our root system has to be so deep into the fact that we serve a loving God who promises to be faithful to us and promises to take care of us even in difficult times. He, he promises. He's faithful. And he never fails. That love never fails. And God, not only does God love, but God is love. So being rooted in his love is being rooted in him because he is love. Look at Mark, uh, Mark 4. Verse 17, then Christ will make it, oh, but since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. This is the parable of the sower. He talks about the different seed that was scattered on the soil. And the one soil was a hard, rocky soil. And it said that when, when the seed was cast, the, the Satan came and just ate it. And the next one was this soil where it came and it never really established any roots. And it says since it doesn't have deep roots, it doesn't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or persecuted for believing God's word. See, here's the thing. If you don't have deep roots into the things of God, then when, when difficulty comes, that's when, that's when you realize 
you can't sustain it. That's when people fall, because we think, you know, we can just come to church and we can just do our thing, and, and everybody's happy when there's no problems. Everybody's fine when there's no problems. You know how you're going to tell how deep your root system is? The same way we find out out here or at your house with plants that you have or trees that you have. You're going to find out how strong your root system is when a storm comes, when difficulty comes. Then you're going to find out that tree dropped like a bad transmission, just gone. Why? Well, the, you know what? The root system was not strong at all. That, that, that's what happens. So you find yourself, so, so here in this passage, when it talks about the word going forth and the seed of God's word, which produces, because it's the same seed in all of those soils, it wasn't a seed problem, it was a soil problem, but the thing is, in that soil, what it was, was it never took root. Because as soon as, as, soon as life started to get difficult, it was like, okay, we didn't know what to do. So we got we to gotta have our root system Deep in this, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Anyone who belongs to Christ, one translation says this, anyone who is in Christ is a new person. The old has passed away. A new life has begun. So for you, when you are in Christ, you're not the same person you were before. It's new. New life begins. Anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. So it's important for us to recognize, for us in our spiritual growth, we, have to need, we need to follow Jesus. <clears throat> we need to follow the leading of the Spirit in our life. We need to get our root system established in the things of God. We need to really let our roots go deep. Because then we're going to be able to we're going to see the things in our life, like the fruit that we want to see in our life is only going to come when we connect to God. It's not going to come from connecting to a church on its own or, or a, uh, <clears throat> you know, whatever. It's going, to connect, it's going to come when you're connected to God. And that fruit manifests in your life. And then in the last part of verse 7, after it says, let your roots grow down deep into him, it says, let your lives be built on him. So you're not just rooted in him like a tree, but you're also built on him. More like he is our foundation. He is, you know, that song, on Christ the solid rock I stand. When you stand on something solid, then, then you know, hey, I'm not going anywhere. My foundation is strong. It, you know, when they, hopefully, when, they, when your house was built, Hopefully there's a foundation there, or you're in trouble. Our house, at one point, um, we were having an exterminator. They were spraying around the house, and um, they noticed a crack, and they came and told us, and we had a big crack in our foundation. And, and, and what that meant was that over time, things could shift. And the very thing that's supposed to be sturdy and strong that keeps your house sturdy and strong, the very foundation of it is cracked. So what did that mean for us? It meant that the house isn't as strong because the foundation isn't as strong. 
So we had to get the foundation fixed and get it stronger so we knew our house would stand. Because <laughs> what we didn't want, because it was right above our room, what we didn't want is to wake up and the house was like this. So, so we, had to, we had to get that repaired because you have to have a strong foundation. Everything that we do has to be built on this strong foundation of Jesus. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 10 and 11. Because of God's grace to me, this is Paul talking, he says, I've laid the foundation like an expert builder. Now others are building on it. And he's talking about what he does as far as just the gospel. And he says, but whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one we've already laid. And what does he say? Jesus. Jesus Christ is our foundation. Jesus. And that's what we have to build everything upon. Look at Matthew 16, 13 through 18. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. And he asked, but he said, but who do you, now he's talking to his disciples, because he asked them first, who does everybody else say it? Okay, now you guys have been with me. Who do you say that I am? And then Peter who is usually the one that would talk first. Sometimes that was good and sometimes it wasn't so good. But he said, you are the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. And then here's what Jesus says after that. Jesus replied, you're blessed, Simon, because my Father in heaven revealed that to you. In other words, that wasn't, that wasn't you. That just wasn't your own head knowledge. You got that answer and you got it right. Not because of your smart, but because... My Father in heaven revealed that to you, Peter. And then he says this. Now I say to you, Peter, which means rock, that upon this rock, the rock of the revelation that Peter had, not the rock Peter, we're not building the church on Peter, on the revelation that God gave Peter, that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. That's the rock that the church will be built on. That's the rock. And upon this rock... Jesus says, I, Jesus, will build my Jesus church. He's not going to build our church. Someone else is going to build his church. Jesus said, I will build my church on the rock of the revelation that Peter had. That's how the church is going to be built, on the rock that Jesus is the Messiah. That's the rock. That's the foundation. Listen, the foundation of everything right here. Matter of fact, this verse was what the Lord spoke before we even planted this church. That when we first felt like the Lord was calling us to plant this church, this was the, this was the verse that God spoke. And he pointed that out, that I, Jesus, will build my Jesus church. In other words, Scott, stay out of the way. I'll use you, but you're not going to build it, and it ain't your church. Guess what? I'm not building it, and it ain't my church. I talk to pastors sometimes, and sometimes it's just we're, we know what we're saying, but you'd be surprised. Well, at my church, they say, it ain't your church. There's one church, and it belongs to God, and we're all part of a family, and we're all together, and we don't need to be divided and competing. There's one church, but the, what, what the church needs to be built on is the foundation of Jesus as the Messiah the son of the living God. That's, that's the foundation 
that we build on. Ephesians 2, 19 through 20. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You're citizens along with all of God's people and you're members of God's family. Together we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. And the cornerstone of this foundation, the main part of this foundation, is is Christ Jesus himself. Christ Jesus himself is the foundation in which we live. The foundation in which we put everything on. You can put all your weight on him. And then this uh, scripture here, Matthew 7, verse 24. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on a solid rock. Though the rain comes, listen, not if the rain comes. Though the rain comes, in torrents and in floodwaters rise and the wind beats against the house, it will not collapse because it's built on the solid rock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish like a person who builds a house on sand. When it rains and floods come and the winds beat against the house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Listen, there is something about a foundation that's built on the rock that'll keep standing. For y'all, y'all know I was at the beach last week, right? My family. So I brought my chair. Uh, this is where I spent most all my beach time was in this chair right here. This is it. This is how this is how I spent pretty much the last week. I should preach like this more often. This is kind of comfortable. Patty and Meg. See, I, we have a we have I feel weird talking this way, but I'm just gonna go ahead and go with this story time, right? So Patty and Meg, um, they love the water. I like the water for a little while. Um, but we have this. 10 by 10 tent that we have. We st- when Meg plays softball and we're at different fields, we set that tent up. We're out there all day and we just sit under the tent. So the last few years, we've taken the tent to the beach. So that we set the tent up and I pretty much sit under the tent with a breeze. We got a little portable speaker. We can have some music going. And me and Zach, we just chill. We'll go out in the water for a little while and then we come back and it's like, ah, Meg, Chase and Patty, oh, they're in the sun, you know, just lathered up with suntan, sunscreen, all that stuff, and they're just, you know, they're just getting dark. And I'm just like, you know what? It's too hot. I'm just going to stay right here. Well, Patty and Meg would always take their chairs down to the very edge of the water so they could have their feet in the water. And, you know, the water just comes up. So, um, Zach and Chase had gone back to the, to, the, to the house. So I took my chair. Patty and them were down there. I thought, I'll just go sit with them. So I take my chair, and I take it down to the edge of the water, and I'm sitting there beside Patty and Meg, and, and we're talking, and then the water comes up. And as soon as the water comes up, I drop like two inches. You know what I mean? Because it sinks. It sinks in the sand. So I'm sitting there, and then pretty soon I'm like, I'm like, oh, because I, I didn't want to get all wet. Well, I'm only four inches off the ground right now. And now I'm like two inches. And then another wave hits, and pretty soon, now my pants are soaked, my shorts. I mean, they're swimming trunks, but still. They're wet, sand, salt, everything, fish, whatever is in my shorts now. I'm like, man. So I moved my chair back. I moved my chair back. But here's what I was, th- here's what I was thinking. Sand, when water and rain come, guess what? You're going down. 
And I, listen, I can tell you for real, I can tell you 100%, if you're sitting in sand and water and rain and storms come, you're going to sink. I lived it. I experienced it firsthand. And it's the same way with your life spiritually. If you build your life on the things of this world, it's like building on sand. If your hope is all based on your bank account, you're in trouble. If your hope is based on how many friends you have, you're in trouble. If, you, if it's on how popular you are or how much authority you have at your job, it's all, you're in trouble. The only thing that will last and stay the same forever and ever and ever is the solid rock of Jesus. That's it. Everything else is sinking sand. Everything. I'm so comfortable. I don't even want to stand up, but I'm going to because I can see you better. But if you don't put your, if you don't put your hope on the solid rock of Jesus, then when, when the pressures and the rains and the storm and the water comes, you're going down. But here's the good news. If you're on sand and the water's hitting, I can tell you, you can do what I did. Get off the sand. Go to a solid place. Sit there. Because where our house is, the, the deck where the door is, it's, it's up high. And even if it rains, even when water comes, guess what? We're on solid concrete. And then things that come out of the concrete that hold the house up and these structures and these foundation, these supports, we ain't going anywhere. But just in the sand, you're going everywhere. You're just going down. So in our walk with God, here's, here's what it is. In the, verse, the verses in Colossians, they end this way, and I won't go into all these scriptures. I'll just tell them to you. But it says at the end of verse 7, it, when it talks about being built on him, then it says, then when you, when you do that, then your faith will go strong. Your faith will grow strong because you're rooted in him. You're going to see his strength manifest. You're going to see what he, you're going to see his fruit in your life. And it'll build your faith. Hebrews 11.6 says, without faith, you can't please God. So the very faith and the growing of your faith comes from just resting in him. Really. Not performing, just resting in him. Be in him. Just be in him. And, and, and it builds your faith. And then it says this, um, you will overflow. So you'll grow strong in your faith and in the truth that you were taught. And you'll overflow with thankfulness. You'll overflow with thankfulness. Because when you're connected to God, you're going to see how God has worked in your life so much. You're going to be less judgmental. You're going to be less critical. You're going to be less negative. You're going to be more more open to how God, what God has done in you and through you, you're just going to be more of a thankful person. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God. It's God's will that you are thankful. Do you know that? It's God's will that you're thankful in everything. In everything give thanks, because that's, that's the will of God. Psalms 104 says, Enter his gates. With thanksgiving. Come before God with thanksgiving. And part of thanksgiving comes when you just rest in him. Just let him be your source. Let him be everything. It's not about having all your 
I's dotted and your T's crossed, boxes checked off. It's about just being in him. Just follow what he tells you. Just, just let him lead you. Stay connected to him. Build everything on him. Don't put your hope and your confidence in all the stuff this world has. Let it be on the solid rock of Jesus.